Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome, Seekers, to episode number 156 of the podcast, God Beyond the Bible, the podcast made by Seekers and for Seekers, and uh, we've got a fairly long, I think we've been running a little long the last few weeks, about yeah, 30 we minutes. Have. We went from 15 to 30, but that's all right. What about the shout-outs, Tracy? Our shout-outs today are to Thien and Shankook and our listeners in Dalton, Georgia. Dalton? Awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly where in Georgia that okay. is, but... And Tab, have you got a quote for us? I do. Our quote this week is from Marshall Rosenberg. He said, we are this divine energy. It's not something we have to attain. We just have to realize it and to be present to it. That's good. I like that. Well, we've done... We have have had some podcasts on energy, mm-hmm. and I think we did three or four on frequency vibration and mm-hmm. energy and all of that stuff you ought to listen to those i go back and listen to them and and then i still glean some stuff that's really good well today is a continuation of last week's topic and last week's topic was on prayer and we talked about effective prayer and just going to give you a real brief recap on a couple of things we talked about and then we'll start talking about some new things and talk about how to hopefully maybe reposition ourselves the way we think about prayer the way we think about god or the way we what we think prayer even is uh, we talked last week about how most of us, in an attempt to strengthen the effectiveness of our prayer, have read multiple books or listened to lectures from the Christian religion point of view that lays out a formula or point by point, do this and this and this, or follow, or you know, a formula to follow, or a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross before God will respond to our prayers, which pretty much puts, in my mind, puts the burden of getting God to answer prayer on us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it. it you have to do all the right things, and and then, then you still. I started to so, say, and so then, is it like God has created this maze, and you got to get through all of this maze? Is that kind of what we should picture it in our mind? It's a maze. Oh, we hit a block there, and we go back, and no, I hit a block there, and I go, and we go. But the thing of it is, we don't ever know when we've got through the maze. Do we? Exactly. We don't ever know if we've completed the maze or not. Well, in your opinion, doesn't it feel like we're having to butter up a somewhat? for lack of better words, I hope no one takes this bad. I know it, it doesn't offend the divine. For lack of better words in our mind, are we not trying to butter up some narcissistic superpower to persuade him or her to act on our behalf? And then <laughs> even if you properly butter him up, it still just depends on his mood and how he feels about 
doing well, something for you. I mean, that's how it feels. We talked about last week. Well, we always, when we've done everything, we've done everything, dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. Then we end in the last final hurdle to get over, and that's if it's his will. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. And few, how many, you figure all the hurdles that we in the Christian religion say prayer has to go over. I had a guy tell me one time, I was thinking of this today, and I remember him saying it, and he was a teacher in one of the churches that I pastored. He said, uh, if you think prayer is easy, you're wrong. Prayer is hard. If it's prayer, it's hard. Oh, so communicating with the divine is It's hard. To, it's yeah, hard. it's hard. If you do it right, he said, it's hard. Hmm. I'm sure he did it right. Of course. <laughs> um. And when I say him or her, I don't want to offend anybody. Did you know that when we put him on God, we put the masculine on God, we always put all the masculine attributes that we put on a man. Right. Do you ever think of that? That's true. And, of course, to call him her or call God her, it would put all the feminine attributes and that really goes on, back on the Godhead to, as well. And that's right. why I like to just say the divine. Or you know, I try to vary away from saying, but, folks, I just want you to know, when I say him, because it's so deeply ingrained mm-hmm. in me to say him in the ma- I do not mean in the masculine no, sense. Word. It's just we don't have a word. Only word we have that's neutral in our English language is it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't quite doesn't feel no, right. It's it, inanimate, it, it, you know. It, yeah, it doesn't feel right. Uh, we talked about how a lot of organized uh, or a lot of the organizers. Church's position seems to be that God is moved by how difficult and painful and self-sacrificial we make our prayers, such as fasting or kneeling until our legs are asleep and our knees are sore and spending long hours in great discomfort. The relevant question that we asked ourselves last week is, what kind of image does this put on God when we believe that God, the divine, is moved by our suffering? Hey, Tabby, do you know what story this made me think of? Do you remember the story of the three chairs? I do. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, from the days in the youth group, youth revivals. Yeah. Where, yeah. And so God wants you to sit in the hard chair. Yes. Yeah. That, and for those of you out there, I know our family knows the whole story, and I think we may have mentioned it before. But a teacher, a speaker that we went to see brought out three chairs onto the stage. One of them was a big, comfortable recliner. Another one was like a minimally padded office chair. And the last one was a hard metal folding chair. And he basically said that if you are in anything except for that metal folding chair, that God is unhappy with you because you're not suffering enough for him. You should never be comfortable in a relationship with God. And let me go back and say, with that said, you can make of that whatever you like or whatever you will, whatever your perspective is. Uh, Let me go back and say, as we said last week, See, that puts the burden of answered prayer on us. Mm-hmm. We have to perform. Mm-hmm. Anything that makes you perform, and then at the same time you're told that none of your performance is ever good enough. So what are you basically, what's the psychology behind that? You can't get a prayer. You, you don't have a prayer's chance. <laughs> no. Well, and I read a thing that said, would you would you work for... A boss who was only happy when you were in intense suffering and unable to meet any of your deadlines, and that boss was never, you'd be looking for another job. Let's make it even closer. We we are supposed to have a much closer than a work relationship. Let's Mm -hmm. put it in the text of a husband or a father. A parent. A parent. A parent. parent, parent. Doing this to their child, you would be calling 
social services doing yeah. something because this this person this child is being abused that and yet is, that's how we're supposed to regard that's emotional psychological abuse it is you know it's a it's a, and that's so people end up what do people usually do well they just end up going through a routine that they call prayer mm-hmm. and hope that something something goes through something goes through somewhere. like like nailing jello to the wall yeah. you know is kind of what it is jesus said that if our own child came to us asking for a fish to eat we wouldn't hand him a serpent and say, here, eat this. Or if our child asked for bread, we wouldn't substitute a, a stone. And Jesus went on to say, if we being human, of course, I know King James says evil, but it really says, if we being human desire to give our children what they ask for, shouldn't we consider that God is not prone to human pettiness? So his desire should be to give us exactly what we desire, or maybe more. No less, no lesser substitutions because of the manner by which we ask. What's your comments on that? You know, my Christianese wanted to come out when I read this. And I didn't realize how pre-programmed I was because my brain automatically triggers the correct response to these verses, which is, but God's will in the end is what's best for you. you know, that's always what you're told when you read those verses. And I can agree with that in this context. If we're willing to just totally submit ourselves yes to whatever that happens. concept and i mean all the way through not not kicking and screaming and then say well <laughs> I, did, I didn't get it so it just wasn't daddy's will we talked about how prayer is actually a method of channeling divine energy towards the people involved in certain circumstances now listen circumstances don't exist without people right someone's involved or it's not a circumstance mm-hmm. that's true right mm-hmm. if it's a sickness there's people involved. Yes. And then there's doctors involved. So people are always involved in every... You know, we, we think... We often think of circumstances as these live things that stand on their own. They don't. No circumstance exists outside of a human being. Do you ever think of that? I hadn't, but that I started to say I'm not really giving it much thought, to be honest. Uh, you say, oh, yeah, but if my puppy is sick... See, that's... How I say, no. It's affecting you. It's how it affects you. Right. It's not how you have no idea how it's affecting the puppy. It's just how it affects you. So it's still human involved. And then there'll be a veterinarian involved or a neighbor that says, I think I know what's, see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so divine energy, we're, what we're doing is trying to channel divine energy towards the people involved in certain circumstances. And that prayer actually gets answered by persuading the minds of the people involved. Not you persuading them. Not us persuading them. Now, don't take me wrong. (laughs) That prayer actually gets answered by the persuasion of the minds of the people involved to do certain things that result in a desired outcome. What do you think about this concept of empowering our spiritual team that way, that they can go for us and they go before us, they go out and even interact with other people's spiritual teams that are... Because, you, yeah, but what if they're not a believer? They don't. Yes, everyone has a spiritual team. They can be choked out where they're never heard and never recognized and never that, you know, you can do that to the voice within. You can just choke it down where you never hear it. But I think it makes me feel good to know I spent so many years feeling like it's me here, God up there. And basically, I'm by myself because sometimes I didn't feel like God was listening to me. Yeah. You know, and so I I like the idea of knowing I'm surrounded. I'm I'm being taken care of. Yes. It's all all okay. I mean, you're, you know, you always have someone sort of patting you on the shoulder going, you got this. No, actually, they're saying, we've got this. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't interfere. (laughs) Leave it alone. Please don't interfere. We've got this. 
I have a feeling that my spiritual team does a lot of slapping the back of my hand going, quit it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Should asking our Divine Father for something be difficult and painful? No. No, Should asking our earthly father, our parent, mother, no. whoever, grandma, whoever, should it be painful for us? No. no. What, what if, what would it say about that parent if that parent wanted asking to be painful for their children? That that parent had issues. Well, I mean. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. If our earthly father made it so difficult to ask him for anything, would we be prone to ask or just decide it was easier to try to work out the situation on our own? When you feel like you're too much of a hassle to deal with or like you're only going to be ignored when you ask, you just start doing it yourself. You don't ask. You don't ask for help. You don't. I was going to say, is is there a person at least sitting around this table that hasn't been so frustrated with how they used to pray and the yeah. outcome of that that you're just like, what good does it do anyway? Why even bother? I'll leave it yeah. to somebody else because obviously theirs work. Mine don't. I'm going to use the rest of this program to share with you a few t- little tidbits about prayer that I've discovered. None of these are in any particular order. None of these are all in all. These are just some things that will help us progress and understand this is how I pray. This is how I approach prayer in my life now. First of all, we must overcome the erroneous mindset that God really doesn't want to do anything for us unless he absolutely has to. Do you ever feel like that about God? Yes. In traditional prayer, he really don't want, he's putting all of these obstacles here. <laughs> and then if you finally get through them, he goes, fine, I really I'm don't, over here. But I'm not going to, but I don't really want to do that. So uh-huh. I, it's not my will. In other words, he makes praying so difficult and uncertain that it is the equivalent of making wishes on coins in a fountain. That's about how effective we feel. The fact is, God wants to give us our heart's desire more than our earthly father ever could. God wants to give us our heart's desire. He's already put our heart's desire in us. Most of us never pursue our heart's desire because we get all mixed up in the world and we start pursuing everything else. Mm -hmm. We're pursuing everything else and we substitute, often I found in my life, I substituted some uh, some material uh, accomplishment over what was really in my heart of hearts that I really wanted to do in life. I didn't realize until I was reading this one that basically the line I've had on prayers for the last many years coming out of that is the only answer you're going to get from God is if you line your prayer up with what he was going to do anyway. So you have that like Mm -hmm. 50-50 chance on outcomes that you and him have the right idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, so first of all, we talked about that. God wants to. Mm-hmm. Most of us have the mindset God really doesn't want to. Right. Oh, you'll sit and hear the prayer. Oh, God wants to give you. But if you'll do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. There are strings and attached. Yeah, yeah, everything with a string attached. Okay, secondly, stop thinking that God is moved by our performance. When we think in this manner, we're actually operating under the mindset uh, that we're technically making the thing we desire come to pass by our own efforts. Now, this may be the number one reason in my mind that when God just stands back, he's not interested in us trying, because I don't believe he's interested in us trying to win his affection and favor by competing for his attention like spoiled children. So stop trying to butter him up first with all of... I got I got my prayer answered, but you see, for the last five <laughs> years, I've gone to church every time the doors are open, <laughs> and I've tithed on every... And who does that start to sound like? Was it not the publican in the that was stand, that was in the synagogue? I'm glad I'm not like these other people. See, we may... 
Let me ask you this question. Is answered prayer an indicator of God's approval of my righteousness? Well, it depends. I mean, I think in the classic Christian theology, that tends yes. to be the idea. I think, yeah, I think in the Christian mindset, mm-hmm. in the organized church, the way we teach this. If my life is okay, then God will answer my and prayers. And if your prayer gets answered, then your life is okay. Exactly. It means your life's okay. Yeah. But was Jesus like that? Did Jesus no. ask, answer requests like that? Was that the way Jesus answered requests? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And then Jesus walks over and says, okay. Now, how long has it been since you've been to the synagogue? <laughs> have you tithed anything ever in your life? Have you had any bad thoughts today? Have you, no, Jesus never, never. What did he asked. do? He never asked. Any, oh, but he already knew. See, I know. He already knew everything about them, and he knew their life. And No, listen. And most of those people. Most of them had a lot of skeletons in their closet, you, and he did it anyway. Did you, know that most, did you know that most of the people that he healed, first of all, weren't religious at all? They weren't even nope. Jews? The bulk of, if you look, the bulk of everybody Jesus healed were people that were non-Jews. That's right. They were non-religious. <laughs> And he quickly, he had the most difficulty healing the religious people Mm -hmm. because they were the ones that rejected it the most because it had to be on their religious terms. It had to fall through the slots and had to hit all of the right buttons. Okay, thirdly, ask for the outcome and stop trying to figure out for God how he might logically bring it to pass. This is one of the most difficult things that we can do. Very, very hard. I like the way Mm -hmm. I heard someone say, I think it was... I can't remember. I've li- it may have been Joseph Murphy, but I don't think it was Eckhart Tolle. But someone said, start at the end and stop at the end. <laughs> Go to the end of the thing. Divi- like that. Divine Father, this is the outcome I think I want. Right now, this feels like the outcome I want. Please, in your divine power, however it comes about, I give it to you. It's mm-hmm. yours. Take it. And I'm leaving it to you for the right outcome. Leave it alone then. Don't start logically thinking now and looking every day. Okay, now this over here didn't line up. So God's not doing what I, because (laughs) this has to line up and that has to line up and this has to happen and that has to happen. And here we have Trayson's greatest hang up. (laughs) Yeah. It's just leaving it alone. He might logically, let me see, as for the outcome, start trying to figure out how God for God, how he might logically bring it to pass. Imagine how you would like the thing to turn out and ask for that end and leave it alone. Either we can step aside and ask the divine to bring it to pass, or we can try to bring it to pass on our own. But God doesn't want or need my help or input in the matter. In fact, we often meddle and mess things up. And we don't get the desired result because we tried to make it happen by our own thinking of how it should come to pass. I'm going to give you a biblical example of this. If I'd have been Daniel in the lion's den, and I'd have been praying for deliverance from the lion's den, that's what I would have expected. What did Daniel get? God just closed the mouths of the lions. They were still there all night long sleeping with mm-hmm, the lions. Right. God just closed their Who would have ever thought that that would be the answer? Right. I have a feeling that that was definitely, yeah, not but, what Daniel was. But in, in the end, Daniel was saved. Daniel's thing that he wanted came to pass. It didn't come to pass logically the way Daniel would have even thought about it. Right. It came to pass in a divine way where Daniel knew it was divine. Mm -hmm. I can imagine the lions were still 
just circling all Sniffing night. Sniffing around. All, all night long, yeah. All right. Next, trust the methods and the power of the divine to do it. This is perhaps the most difficult part because we think that we know how it must unfold, how each thing must unfold. When the truth is, God will usually manifest it in a way we never thought of, and that goes with the Daniel thing. Mm -hmm. He'll manifest it in a way we never thought of. Okay, prayer is channeling divine energy, divine energy that already exists, and it's just waiting to be utilized. Stop that now. Stop right there, and let's get this. The energy is already there. The divine energy is already all around us. It already exists. It's in us. Mm -hmm. It's waiting to be utilized. See, we, we approach prayer opposite. We're trying to draw down the power. We're trying to bring the power in. We're trying to get the power to come to us. We've already got the power. We need to be channeling the power out. And I think that your divine, the divine energy that we each have, that is the most, I really, in my mind for me, it's the most important tool. That it I is. Was given. It is. Whether you call and it spirit, we have ignored or it for yeah. so many years. We've been. Or I have. We've been told, taught to ignore it. The thing we need already exists. Whether it is healing, our healing. Did you ever think of this? Our healing was always, always there, ready for us. Mm -hmm. It was already there. Everything we are, we need already exists. Whether it's healing, finance, or whatever. It's already here on the earth. It just takes the divine energy to line up everything, to line everything up for it to manifest. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. We often don't consider that fact. Everything we could ever want or need is already in existence. We can't think of anything that doesn't already exist. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's already here. The hardest part's already done. It exists. Think of that. The most difficult. We act like we're trying to get something to manifest out of nothing. <laughs> but yeah it's sure. always manifesting out of something that already exists that's how it works so all that needs to happen is for the divine to line up the thoughts of the people who are in a position to place it in our path it may be a doctor it may be a judge it may be our enemy mm -hmm. think of that thoughts our energy on the same frequency as prayer. Now, this is important. There's important for two reasons. And we're going to explain why it's important to understand that thoughts and prayers are the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're on the same frequency. They're not the same thing, but they're on the same frequency. In other words, when we ask for a divine manifestation and then continue to worry and doubt, we are countering the positive energy of our prayer with negative energy on the same frequency. What happens when two radio stations get on the same frequency? There's fade over it. Just it's garbled. It's just, yeah, it's, just it's just a mess. It's just, you're just jumping back and forth. There's a garbled mess. You mm -hmm. hear the country song over here, and then suddenly the rock and roll song is playing. Right. Do you understand? That's what I'm trying to get across here. When we pray for something and it's a positive outcome we're looking for, and then we turn around and start doubting and worrying and thinking, thinking, thinking about how bad this could be. We've actually, and we usually will spend 90% of our energy thinking the negative and only 10% of our energy projecting a positive prayer, right? Right. So what do you think is going to happen? We're hindering those that are trying to bring about the deal. We're, we're loading them up with 90% blockage mm -hmm. and 10% flow. Is it me or are you feeling a little personally attacked in this one? Man. No, I feel I, like I'm, I'm just it's, it's me. Just, it's me. But it is. It is. If we think about it, we should think of the positive outcome, not all the reasons it won't happen. 
it is, in my opinion, fully appropriate to say, I'll keep you in my thoughts. As long as we are thinking of how wonderful it would be for that person to have their need manifested. If all we're doing is worrying and fretting over how bad their situation is, then we're countering the positive energy. Don't have me in your thoughts. <laughs> I don't want to be in your thoughts. If you're just thinking about all you can do is put out the energy you're channeling is how bad this situation is. That's not helping me at all. It helps me if you're thinking, just turn me Pray for other people the same way we're supposed to pray for ourselves. I'm looking for the right end of this, the positive end, the end that this person needs and desires. I want to see that. Leave it alone. Go to the end and leave it there. I realized when I was reading this paragraph that this was really, I, I know a lot of Christian people out there dislike, but I've talked about him before. Um, Norman Vincent Peale really did have a handle on this concept sure of did. divine energy as much as he could, I think, in the 1950s. He he had a understanding for this energy that's around us and manifesting. And it, for those of you, if you haven't ever read the book, it's The Power of Positive Thinking. And uh, it was one of written, my favorite books. Written in the early 60s. It was actually first published in 1950. In the 1950s, yeah. right, because it was before JFK's mm -hmm. election to the presidency because Norman Vincent Peale's the one that got crossways with a lot of people because he didn't support Kennedy, he supported Nixon. Oh. Yeah, and so you can imagine how that turned <laughs> and out. He, but and he said later he just regretted ever getting involved. <laughs> but it was it's a really good book if you've never read it. It has a lot of things on sort of manifesting what's around you okay so that's a very important one thought and energy on the same frequency mm -hmm. thought and prayer on excuse me thoughts are energy that are on the same frequency as prayer remember that that's so important because when you turn around after you ask for something for your divine team for the divine energy to bring to pass you look at the end of it then you start going back and you start thinking negatively you're countering their ability you're it's like it's like squeezing off the garden hose you turn on the hose and then you kink it right yeah. Or you block it off. Okay. Once we've committed it to prayer and only asked for the end result, don't keep talking about how bad the situation is. Words are also energy. And negative talk only places more negative energy to block the path of divine energy we're trying to channel. We're blocking the flow. If we are sincere when we say it, if we have committed it to a divine solution and someone else tries to get us to tell them all the negative details, we should only reply with, I have given it to God. It's his problem now. I'm no longer in control of the situation or how the solution comes about or what the solution is. So now we can't gossip. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> it, it is. It's really hard because I'm, I'm someone who talks through things mm -hmm. a lot that's how I figure out how to move forward in a situation as I tend to talk about it and talk my way through it and so it's really hard just to go okay I'm I'm gonna let that go now because I'm but I think talking to someone is okay but maybe not someone's well no <laughs> yeah. it's not necessarily I had a conversation <clears throat> with my brother last night he calls me every day from he's incarcerated as everyone mm -hmm. knows and he's got some mm -hmm. mental health problems and he is recovering and getting close to hopefully being out but I had a discussion with him Saturday night when I talked to him and he was really depressed and he just kept wanting to go down the rabbit hole he yeah. just tried to drag me I said Dan Dan stop stop I said I'm not going down the rabbit hole with you 
I'm not going into those dark places with you. And I said, think about this. You're sitting there talking about everything that's wrong and how miserable your life is and how miserable everything there is. And you're ignoring all the positive things. That's well, I don't need to, I don't have any reason to be positive. Nothing positive happened to me. I said, whoa, whoa. And I reminded him, of course, I'm not going to go through this whole spill on, right. the, on, on this podcast. <laughs> but the point of it is, I told him, I said, brother, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole with you. And I said, think about it. You're only, when you go down the rabbit hole, you're just going deeper and darker and it's not changing anything. Nothing's changing. In fact, you're making it worse because all you're doing is concentrating on the dark. You're putting the dark energy out there. You're empowering the dark side of this thing. Right. And finally, before the end, he finally apologized. The next, by, by yesterday, he was better and he underst- understood this. But I won't allow him. Don't let people drag you down the rabbit hole. Because that's really all they want to do. I said, will it make you happy? One of the things I asked him, I said, will it make you happy? Why do you think it's going to make you happy for me to feel as miserable as you do? I said, how do you think that's going to make, how is that going to change anything for you? And I do, and, and I don't like to disagree. I totally understand what you're saying. I just, I think some people sometimes have to Rum, let it all out before they can. It's called rumination. We want to ruminate. We're so Our minds are so set in ruminating and wallowing in the negative, that's where we're comfortable. We don't even know that about ourselves. That's where we're the most comfortable is in misery. And misery loves what? Company. <laughs> That's exactly well, right. And I've been, Tabby, do you feel like I'm scolding you? I'm no, just, no. I, I just, I don't know if I fully 100%. I totally understand what you're saying, though. We have to. There has to it, be at least a limit. We have to give it yeah. and then walk away. And I totally, and I am trying and really hard to be And if we turn around then, and start, then if we call up our friend and say, well, I've given this over to God. Let me tell you what's happened to me. And, and then I we start that. going through the I whole thing totally. again. Then we haven't I given do. it to God at all. I think um, Thick Not Han had this concept of treating your mind like a child and i have an an unruly child (laughs) yes i mean i do this on a regular basis with myself because i do have anxiety and my anxiety is triggered at night it you know my mind runs and runs when my body's still so i have to literally tell myself you're going to stop thinking about that right now you're not going to think about it anymore you're not allowed to i won't allow you to go down this path and it, and it sounds funny. I mean, even to yourself when you're doing it to your own mind in the middle of the night going, no, we're not doing this. I, w- I forbid it. You're not allowed to. But you do start building up that power over your own mind mm-hmm. to go, no, we're done here. And let me tell you the best way to do it. Let the little child's kick and scream and just watch him and observe. That's how the best uh-huh. one. Step back and just look at the mind and what he keeps trying to throw out. And you can be having the best day of the world and your mind tries to slip in a thought, a fear of something that might happen that don't even apply to anything. But in our business, when you're having a really great day and you're making good time and your brain goes, what if he had a flat tire right now? That would mess up your entire day. Yeah. And you go. So <laughs> once we've committed to prayer, we've asked for the end result, leave it alone. I mean, even if you say, well, I'm talking to this person, it helps to talk. No, it helps to think that someone else will get as miserable as I am. If I can get them to feel my misery, because that was my conversation. My brother yesterday, well, I just wish, he said his words to me, I just wish you could feel how terrible it is. And just for one day to say, I said, so you wish for me to be as miserable as you, and somehow that's going to help you. (laughs) Now, doesn't that sound silly when you put it that way? Yeah. Even to him, it sounded silly. 
He said, that's not what I mean. I said, that's exactly what you said. And yes, that's what you mean. You would love for me to feel your misery so deeply, but yet you're going to still be in your misery while I'm feeling it. Yeah, it's not going to take years (laughs) away for me to feel it. Mm -mm. Okay, next. Every time we find ourselves playing that loop of videotape over and over in our minds, we should realize we have really not committed it to the divine, nor do we trust the divine to manifest the solution we desire. Do you think that's fair or is that just being ugly? No, that is fair. Our mind loves to believe it is the problem solver and our provider and keeps us from harm. My friends, it does not. Our mind only thinks that because we've allowed the instrument, remember that word, we've allowed the instrument, that that is our mind, Mm -hmm. we've allowed an instrument to take over control instead of serving us as an instrument should. Do you realize that all instruments, especially the more technical they are, must be calibrated? Do you guys know what that means, to calibrate an instrument? Okay, let me put it like this. You take a scope. You can't buy a scope from the store. This, I'm going to put this in a man's way. I was trying to think of something in you girls' way that, that a would scale. be. It, huh? A scale. Okay, a scale. A scale. A kitchen scale. What do you have to do? You have to calibrate it to zero, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If you don't, what happens? Every measurement's off. It's not. It's not accurate. Right. That's the way our mind is an instrument, just like a scale. That's a good. That's. A, I was going to use a rifle scope and have it to zero it in, but <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's it. You have. If you don't calibrate it, then you can't trust anything that it reads. True. You can't trust any reading from it. Our mind is an instrument. Our spirit that can step back and observe our compulsive overthinking must take back control of our lives. The spirit must become the boss. And I think some of us just have a lazy spirit. It's just easier to let this little out-of-control child run the show. Well, it's just like, eh, it takes a lot, be over it, it takes a, a lot bit. less. It takes a lot less effort just to let this little out-of-control child. Sometimes, and I think sometimes we mistake our mind for our spirit. For who we are. Yeah, we think we are, we are our mind, yeah. and it's not. I'm not, yeah, if I sound harsh, I'm trying to get, I'm really putting this strong because I know how this affects how we think and our spirit life. I think we're all in different places within this realm of understanding right now. The three of us at this table are all sort of going, I'm someone who is on this one. Dad is several more years into this. I don't think so. Maybe not. Maybe not. And it's hard for me sometimes because I'm just starting to kind of grab hold of my mind and go, no, you're under my control. You're not who I am. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard. If we have allowed our mind with its continuous chatter, its endless stream of chatter, to usurp control. Do you know what usurp means, everyone? In case if that's, mm-hmm. a, big, that's a Bible term that means it's, it, it's taking it over by force. But really, it's just taking it over because we've given it to it. We've allowed our, the continuous chatter to usurp control. And with it, it's usurped our happiness, divine power, and spiritual peace. Our mind is an egotistical, frightened blowhard (laughs) when left to its own devices and not utilized as it was designed, and that is an instrument to serve the real us, and that's our spirit. Our minds aren't serving us. Our minds are controlling us. Mm -hmm. Our minds are not serving us. Our minds have taken over and usurped control, and they're telling us what to do and how to feel. And every time your mind throws one of those, starts playing one of those loops and one of those scared things of the past, those regrets of the past or the fear of the future, 
every time our mind does that, if we attach any emotion to that, it's got us. Mm-hmm. It's pulled us in. That's all it wants us to do. If you know, I'm telling you, that's why you don't, don't try to just, don't really, I've learned. I used to try to just stop my thought. We're not going there. We're not going to think about that. But he would sneak back in. Mm-hmm. The window would be cracked a little and he'd sleep back in. And before I knew it, I was, when I step back and say, okay, state your case. <laughs> and he does it and go, no, that's not the way it is at all. Yeah. It's really not like that at all. And you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Your mind loses its power. You put no emotion. But if you start attaching a little fear and a little emotional stress to it, your mind's got you. You're roped. And you're going to go into it. You're going to go into it head over head. You can test, say, I'm not going there. I'm not going. But you already have. You've already committed. You've invested in that erroneous thought. Mm-hmm. And you've become emotionally invested in it. I'm not talking about you. We. We. Right. I should be saying no. we, folks. I mean. The collective right. you. <laughs> so our mind is an egotistical, frightened blowhard. And when we left its own devices... It'll, it'll, that, have you ever heard anybody say he's out of his mind? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's consumed by his mind. Very true. He's consumed by a mind that's out of control. He's not out of his mind. Sometimes we need to be out of our mind and in our spirit. Mm, well said. Summed up. Ask for it. Trust the divine to bring it to pass. If we think about it anymore, if we find ourselves thinking about it or talking about it or acting on it in any way, it better be with an attitude that this is in divine hands. We better be saying, no, you know, this is all in divine. I've turned this all over and we better act like that, talk like that and think like that. Because if we don't, we're just we're we're throwing out. We're throwing out a little positive energy and we're throwing a whole load truck load we're throwing out a handful of positive energy in our prayers and positive thought thing, and then we're throwing after it a truckload mm-hmm. of negative to, to hunt it down and stop it. We stop it ourselves. Mm-hmm. God's not blocking our prayers. Sin's not blocking our prayers. We turn around and block our prayers, which are positive energy that we've channeled, and then we throw a whole load of negative energy out to block it. But I don't want it to be my fault. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not saying, see, this feels like it's putting it back on us. All we have to do is stop the way we think about it. Right. Stop thinking we have are contributing or have some control over this situation when we shouldn't even want any control over it. Right. Isn't it nice? Wouldn't it be nice even in the worst situation to say, I'm not responsible for this in any way, and I'm not responsible for how this turns out? Yes. And if I had any responsibility, I've given all responsibility over to to the divine. I would like to be in that place. I am not there. We can be there. (laughs) Summed up. Ask for it. Trust the divine to bring it to pass. If we think about it anymore, talk about it, or we act on it anyway, it better be with a positive attitude. And that is that this is in divine hands, under divine control, and we should channel as much positive energy to that end as we can. Because sitting and ruminating and thinking about and contemplating about it and how bad it is does nothing but makes it worse. Does nothing to improve it. Now, this is somewhat a new concept for those of us that came up through the ranks of the modern organized church where the outcome of prayer is solely dependent on our personal performance as to influence in divine favor. Isn't this contrary to how we've always thought prayer? Because prayer always gets put on this. God wants you to do this and this. He's stingy. He doesn't want... 
when we, the first thing we got to turn around is that God's not stingy and everything he has is at our disposal. It already exists. He doesn't have to materialize it. Even healing, God does not have to materialize healing out of thin air. Healing is already in us. All we have to do is channel. We have to channel the divine and stop blocking the divine. Stop blocking the positive and divine with negative and dark. Mm -hmm. That's our only our only part in this is to stop our minds from continuously thinking about it and worrying about it and fretting about it. Maybe and that's not easy, but it is our only part. The rest of this stuff we've been told that's laid at our doorstep, well, God didn't answer because you didn't make one of these 75 steps that you did. <laughs> you forgot. You missed a box. Right. You just skipped. Anything else? No, I think this is a good spot to end on. As always, until next time, may the unconditional love, peace, and grace of the divine be on you, in you, and radiate out from all of us. And that goes from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.